Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also, check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Above180.com podcast is Mike Shady. Mike is a USBC Open champion, a PBA national champion, a collegiate national champion, and currently one of the top 100 coaches in the world. Mike, Thank you for joining me today. Well, it's a pleasure being on your show again, Tim, and uh, always good to talk some bowling. Well, Mike, I thought it'd be great to get you on because last night at the USBC Open in Reno, we had a team shoot a 1299, which is the highest single game ever bowled at the USBC Open. In fact, they broke your record from a couple years back. It's a 123bowl.com team, and they actually ended up shooting uh, 3381. So, Mike, I want to get your thoughts on that and really what you thought of when you heard the news. Well, you know, I wasn't uh, I wasn't really shocked that uh, somebody beat beat our record. You know, that record we had for a few years was pretty memorable because it was the last game and we actually won the won the championship uh, that year. But uh, um, you know, this year just seems the the first game would always be the the, the more complex or most difficult out of the three games in team, and uh, because you had to actually manipulate the lane or break the lane according to your your team style and this year just doesn't seem like it it uh, needs to be done that way and you can just see there's been some 1200s the first game and uh, I would not be surprised Tim to see a 1300 this year that one shocked me at all well let me ask you Mike do you know any of these guys from uh, they're from Connecticut uh, out east do you have any background on them uh, it looks like they, they're you know buddies and looks like a couple of them got ebonite deviate slash emblems uh, actually. you know I know some of the names Tim uh, but I I don't know them uh, I, I can't uh, visualize their games but I, I've seen some of their names uh, which means they uh, they definitely know how to bowl if you shoot uh, basically 1300 as a team uh, you're uh, your quality team that just doesn't happen by accident well and now the the motion plus lanes of Cudahy is still the leader 3561 so it sounds to me then like you think a team that can really put together a strong first game and back that up with two other huge games I mean we're talking big numbers here that number they should be uh someone can hit that I think it's doable, I, I, but I still think it's going to be very difficult. Uh, you you know you can bowl in a league pattern uh, back home on you know your Thursday night men's league and and the shoot a uh, mid thirty five hundred still very very difficult to do. So uh, you know you got to have the, you got to have breaks. You got to have all five guys bowling well. Uh, you know you had a team a few weeks ago just missed it and. Uh, the gentleman, I forget his name, who put the team together, I think his son had 820 or 30 or something, 
he had 560 and all it takes is one bowler like that and you won't you won't shoot that the big 3500 so that team that score the wisconsin team uh, those guys put together that's going to be tough to beat can somebody beat it absolutely because there's the tournament's only half over and there's some really good teams still coming uh, you got uh, you get the Minnesota Bowlers coming in. You got Janowitz and the boys from Florida coming in, and um, there's some quality teams. and And it just seems like every year, a lot of guys are starting to put better teams together. So uh, it can be beat, but I'll tell you this: whoever beats it really has to bowl exceptional because that's a that is a big number at that tournament. You are actually able to go up and bowl the practice squad that um, Steve Richter sets up at his place. And I know Jeff Riggles blogged a little bit about that, but what were your thoughts as far as what what you thought and, and where you think you guys are going to be playing? And, and even for you, I know we've had uh, some folks on to talk other equipment. We've had Mike Senek on to talk some Storm, and he kind of went into some of the other pieces from other companies as well. But what do you think for the for the guy who's out there throwing ebonite that uh, that he's going to want to have in his bag? Well, we I just happened to have a, the week off of, of school. We had our spring break that week, and, and uh, as a family, we always tried to get up to see my family as much as we can, and we were up there that week, and it all kind of worked out. So that was kind of special for me to, to see the guys and, and bowl with the guys, communicate before I get out there so I'm not catching up. And uh, It's definitely a, a very uh, playable and scorable pattern. Uh, I know everything we saw that day, both the, uh, the team and the minors event we practiced on, and um, uh, that, you, that big number that, uh, that's out there, we can shoot. Uh, however, like I said, all five guys uh, got to get a couple breaks, and you all got to be bowling at a very high level during those three games. And that's kind of the uh, the anxiety of that tournament. You get three games, it's kind of sudden death. And um, if you can start off with a with a big game, that kind of relaxes things. But if you got to play catch-up, that's where it gets really difficult. But speaking of Ebonite equipment, uh, the two balls that I think really match up well this year to the tournament is the pivot and the pivot point. The pivot's more of the solid cover. It's uh, it's got a little bit more friction built in, and the pivot points more of the pearlized, and they just really match up together. I know I expect to start with a pivot, and I, when I see transition, when the ball starts to uh, just slow down a little too quick, uh, my game plan is to use basically the same layout and uh, go to a pivot point with some surface on it just so I can get through the front a little cleaner and uh, I can retain some of the energy. I've, I've been kind of practicing with that type of arsenal setup and uh, seems to be matching up pretty good, but, you know, getting out there, the surface is different than what you practice on. And, uh, we don't, we don't have the ice oil. That's a, a different variable you put into the equation. But, um, I know of talking to some of the Ebonite guys in the booth out there that, uh, those two balls seem to be the, the better of the two to match up. Well, and then let's, um, let's talk about how, someone like yourself has been able to maintain the longevity that you have of bowling well and consistent at the USBC Open. I mean, going through from, you know, from way back when where equipment and all the changes in equipment and technology and the ice oil and the non-ice oil and all this stuff, how, how do you think, what do you contribute to the fact that you've been able to just maintain that very high standard of bowling? Well, I've always, I've always kind of been conditioned to prepare for any event, uh, that I go into and uh, just not getting a chance to compete as much as I'd like to anymore due to family and work and all that other stuff that gets in the way from life. Um, this is one of the events I prepare for. So that's the first thing on my priority list is I've, I've got to prepare physically, which means I need lane time. And I also need time mentally, 
there's some visualization imagery that kind of goes into it and some mental recall and and then I actually rehearse for the future what I call mental rehearsal and um, and the key is to get out there and as I said it's kind of a sudden death format you got three quick games and if you start off slow you're you're basically waiting for next year again so you've got to start off out of the shoot uh, relaxed you got to be focused you got to be able to manage that arousal level. And I've been really fortunate to develop some of that over the last 20 years. And I've worked with some of the better sports psychologists in the world and, and uh, always kind of worked. And I've always believed in that side of the game. And I've always told all my students that I coach, you know, there's two sides of the, the ax. Uh, one is uh, uh, both sides got to be sharp. You know, you can cut that tree down with just one side, the physical side, but it's going to take you a long time. But if you get both sides of that, razor sharp the mental and physical side boy that tree comes down like a stick of butter so um, i've always kind of prepared that and the other thing for me too is you know i teach those seven anchors and um i kind of uh walk the walk the the word that i teach which means i make sure that physical wise technique wise that i'm i'm strong and i'm i'm pretty sharp when it comes to those things and i think the biggest thing out there besides the mental side controlling that arousal level is is getting your hand in the right position out there. You know, if you can get your hand in the right position and keep your hand soft, uh, team has always been the most challenging for most guys out there because the response at the back is so strong. If you can control that, um, you can have success. And that's kind of where I, I've always prepared the same, whether I was uh, in college uh, on the tour or getting ready for this tournament. And it's uh, just kind of my uh, – my way of doing it, and I try to preach that way well, as well as when I teach other students, is you got to prepare physically and mentally. And by the time I get out there in a couple of weeks, you know, I'll be ready. So uh, I'm getting pretty close right now. Again, joining us is Mike Shady. For more, Mike is running some uh, bowling camps. It's 2014 Peak Performance Summer Bowling Camps. Check out www.ppbowling.com. They're going basically, you know, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, uh, a couple camps all over the place. So just make sure that uh, you check that out and join one of those. This is great stuff and something that, you know, I'd recommend you do. Um, so, Mike, let's, let's talk a little bit about um, – the surfaces and what you thought, what you found as far as layouts and surfaces. Do you think this year, um, I know you had mentioned keeping, you know, with the surface of the, the ball you're throwing, do you think that this year's surface is as big a deal as it has been, or is it kind of not as, as much of a, an issue? And, and same thing with layouts and such. I think surface this year, I, I think layouts is minor this year. I think it's secondary. It's still important, but I think it's secondary influence this year. I, I think the surface is, is must match up. Uh, to the transition, to the way you start and how it transitions because you've got to strike this year. This year, if, if you really want a chance at an eagle this year, uh, you've, got to, you've got to put some strikes together, and, and uh, that means you've got to match that angle at the backup uh, so you can strike and because if, you, if you're only going to shoot 210 or 220 this year, uh, you, you're going to walk out with a nice all events, but it's not going to get you much. So um, I, I think you got to match the surface up. That's what I've seen in my practice sessions is as soon as my surface is either a little too early or if it gets through the front too clean, it's hard to strike. Now, again, that's a different surface out there. That surface is beat out, beat up a little bit out there. It's a little bit older and they're using ice. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of going in with that game plan of as soon as I, you know, I, I see it, maybe deflect a little much or just go by my break point a little bit. And, and I, you know, through experience seeing it, it's not going to strike. I've got to go switch surface. And so that's, that's kind of where my arsenal is going to be laid out. It's very similar layouts, 
but different surfaces. Well, and if you watch the um, the motion plus folks on their doubles and singles on the, on the Saturday, that what you're saying is exactly what held true for that event for those guys is they could get to the pocket, but it was four pin flat tank and their carry just seemed to be a little bit off. And obviously it wasn't off the day before. And I know in talking to Dave Barris, he said they didn't feel like they really got a hundred percent comfortable. And, and so what you're saying leads, uh, leads exactly to, to what, you know, what he's, what their team saw in the lanes, even though you, teams like that, they still shoot very well, but it's just not that record number, that big number that you might be thinking question for you is this so let me ask you when you're watching a ball and this is now we're going to switch to a little bit of coaching and such how can a bowler and we get this question all the time via email and it's sometimes something that I even struggle with how does a bowler know when he's throwing a piece and and it, it rolls out and it's used up all its energy when you just think man that ball just didn't hook when in reality in most cases it's hooked and it's just stopped hooking well I look at two things Tim first thing I always do I always try to post my shot so I can see the ball roll off the end of the pin deck. And I, I do that for a reason. I, I want to see how it's rolling off. Is it is it deflecting too much toward the nine pin? Or is it I got too much angle and it's going too much toward the eight pin? Now, ideally, in a perfect world, you kind of want the ball to go in between the eight and nine pin because that, that would be your ideal entry in the back. That's the first thing I look at. So if I see one of those... Uh, and, and if it's too little or too much, uh, most of the time, and, you know, theories, theories, most of the time it works, and sometimes you scratch your head and wonder, boy, that wasn't supposed to work like that. Uh, and that's where your experience comes in. I'll look at that second thing is, is I, I just look at the overall ball motion. Uh, you know, I, I like, uh, I have basically two layouts, and I know we've talked about that before in your show, as I have a, a strong pin under and a, and a little weaker pin over. And I, I kind of go back and forth of those with different surfaces. So what I've been seeing early is my pin-unders. They'll start out really good, and as soon as that front starts transitioning a little bit, it, it really starts to get lazy at the back to a point where it almost doesn't look like it's hooking. And, and you know that can't be true because the cover's strong, the core's strong. It's just a, it's a strong ball. So then I know it's, it's, it's too much cover. Um, or I've got too much flare, meaning the, the layout is too strong. So that's when I go to, it may, maybe the same cover. I'll try the same cover with a weaker pin and then I'll start seeing that angle where the ball starts going in between the eight and nine pin. Um, so those are the two things I look at is what is the overall ball motion? And then two, how's it rolling off the end of the pin deck? All right. Well, Mike, I know you, you kind of mentioned how you guys and you can prepare, and this is your first year that you were actually able to make it out to Wisconsin and bowl with the guys. But what can a bowler do or how can a bowler prepare if, say, their local house is not putting out the pattern or if they go and their local house says they're going to put it out and they go and bowl on it and you're like, okay, this, this is very similar. to This has too many of your house characteristics. Is it just, like you said, there's, I know there's a mental part to it, but as far as physical and just knowing that your room for air is going to be less when you get to Reno, is there something they can do even when bowling on um, a typical house pattern to prepare at least their lane play portion of the event? Well, I, I've bowled up until this year for the last really 15 years out here. I've prepared on 50-year-old wood, so we've never had a clean surface um, uh, many of those years I've never prepared on the lane pattern itself. So what I focus on is, again, my physical game. I kind of know where my hand needs to be at, at nationals compared to uh, your typical uh, scratch league type uh, um, Thursday night men's league again. So phys the physical portion, the technique has to be solid. Second 
is I'll put out, uh, I've got a little apparatus where um, I'll put out a uh, targeting system, uh, two, two areas. One is over at 15 feet, my visual target, was, which is usually the arrows. And the other visual, uh, the apparatus I put out is at my break point uh, between 40 and 43 feet, somewhere in that location. And then I'll, uh, I'll make sure it's, it's about eight or nine boards wide, and I've got to basically put the ball between those two points to make sure that not only am I physically bowling good, but I can repeat what I think is going on, what I'm feeling. So if I can kind of hit those two areas where I, after watching enough video from the USBC and kind of reading enough blogs and, and knowing what other guys are saying, where you got to play, where you got to start, when I can start seeing my ball go through those two points, those points of reference, based on those two apparatuses I have that kind of lay between uh, each gutter uh, with those targeting points, uh, if I can start doing that uh, nine, ten times out of a game, then I know I'm sharp. And regardless of what they put out there, if I can get lined up with my feet and my visual target, then you just got to keep yourself relaxed and just make shots. Well, exactly. And so then it's a matter of you don't even care what you score. You could shoot 140 on the, on the score, but if you're hitting that that mark, and I think like you're saying, a lot of people are targeting you know that uh, – the, the lane marker down the lane, just a ten, you know a couple boards right of that is what what everyone's saying for team where you want to be around seven eight nine six seven eight nine somewhere in that that vicinity. So um, so lots of great stuff there and, and something that people you know because you you run into places where they say they're going to put it out and then they don't put you know and then you get into your head even a preconceived notion which I know it's sure. been taught to me you know don't worry about you know take your equipment and then be ready to change because like you said it before you know it it goes by very quick so you got to always be be um be ready to change and and mike let's i just want to give you a few minutes to chat about your camps like i mentioned going to be kind of in wisconsin you got one in in, uh, pittsburgh and stuff but talk about what bowlers can expect when they uh, come and visit with you guys well, we've got we've got two different camps this year. Usually, I've just had my main camp, and I've, I've kind of called it the foundation camp, uh, which is we teach my seven physical anchors, and and these are the anchors that we've talked about in your previous show. Where if you want to bowl at an elite level, you must basically develop this type of technique in your game uh, for repetition and and uh, really to to get yourself at the level that you want to perform at. That's the foundation camp. We really focus on the physical side. We also talk about lane play and and, uh, some ball motion uh, issues with that. And then we also talk about game planning, how to prepare for an upcoming uh, competition, uh, for example, like the USBC. Uh, But the heavy emphasis of that camp, the foundation camp, is is physical. And that's going to be in Madison uh, uh, in Fitchburg on July 27th. And we try to cap that. And uh, we're fortunate enough this year to have Mike Jasnow come in as our guest coach and uh, he will be working with the campers this year. And, and most of your uh, listeners know of Mike. Uh, he's got an outstanding reputation. He's one of the world's best coaches, and, and he, I know he works uh, uh, most of the USBC tournaments, and a lot of the listeners actually take a lesson from him when they get out to, to Reno or the USBC tournament. So he'll be working that. Now our new camp this year is our advanced camp, and we've had many of our previous campers or students ask if we could put something together uh, for, for an advanced camp and uh, we've done a lot of surveys, and they're looking for tools that they can actually put into their their uh, versatility bag of tools, if you will. They they want something where they can go to a tournament if they need to change ball motion. They've got some different strategies on how to do that. So I've written a curriculum for it. We're ready to roll it out. We're going to have our first one June 22nd down in Pittsburgh at Nesbitt Lanes, 
And uh, our other one's going to be July 26th up at Ashwaubenon Bowl in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Every one of these camps, uh, the coach-to-student coach ratios is very low. It's 4-to-1. Uh, we also have Dr. Jason Willow that comes in, a sports psychologist. And uh, the advanced camp, he's going to be a little more specific, a little more individual, where they start creating uh, uh, short and long-term goals. They start uh, developing a plan on how to manage that arousal level. And then they start uh, uh, implementing some of the visualization, the imagery that's customized to their type of game. And then, uh, as I said, we, we're going to teach them uh, how to build some of these different tools for versatility, such as uh, change in axis rotation, uh, we can we can get it to motion differently down a lane and start up sooner or later based on where your hand is and we've got a lot of skill drills to teach that. Uh, another one is ball speeds. You know, we just uh, USBC just did a uh, huge study with their robot down at Earl and and the one uh, the the biggest way to change how to manipulate ball motion, change ball motion is through ball speed. And we've got different strategies on how to do that, so we're going to teach the, the students how to do that. And there's another tool too. We're going to teach is the loft of or the art of loft, which is really a forgotten art in the last 15 to 20 years. But again, the studies show that uh, this changes the ball motion uh, drastically. And, and uh, again, it's it uh, it's extremely important for competitive bowlers. I always say you can take a two or three ball arsenal and turn it into a six or nine ball arsenal, even twelve ball ball arsenal with different tools of the trade just by uh, manipulating some things physically. Um, so that's uh, that's going to be our advanced camp, uh, the Pittsburgh camp. We're going to have Doug Kent come in and, and help us out. He's, uh, as we all know, he's a PBA Hall of Famer, USB Hall of Famer, former Player of the Year, and I've been around Doug and. Uh, He's a phenomenal coach, and I don't know if I've ever met anybody or competed against anybody who can manipulate ball motion like he can. hes uh, I think he's the best of all time at it, so he's going to help us out in Pittsburgh as well. Great stuff, Mike. And, and I know when you were when you're giving your answer about um, lane play and manipulating the bowling ball, what it, what it you know <laughs> what it makes me think of is how many times will you see a bowler where the, instead of moving their feet or something they'll just ball down is is you know the new thing which it's good and it's bad because it makes the player less versatile but it, it depends you know and that's where it's like a scoring thing do you want it you know you got to play the lanes in the right part of the area but you also have to be able to make those huge moves left or a, a little move left or move right and take your hand and stuff like that as well so i think this advanced camp is what you're talking where you're going to teach folks how to do that and how to know when they should just ball down and stay in that same area versus when to make a move left yeah, I agree. It's you know the the newer mentality of the young bowler today is just go into your arsenal and get another piece out and try to manipulate the ball motion that way, and that works. I mean that's part of the strategy, and we we talk about that. But uh, you know a lot of these bowlers today, especially if you want to you want to do it for a living one day, you got to bowl international today. You can't. It's very difficult to make a living just bowling over here. We don't have enough events, so it means you got to travel abroad. And when you go you travel abroad, uh, it's very very hard and expensive to travel with a lot of pieces so you better have tools where you can take that one ball and make it into three balls or or those two balls and make it into eight balls uh or else you are uh, you're going to pay a lot of money and and uh traveling uh, with luggage and um and if you uh, you want to be a pete weber or a walter or a duke and some of those hall of famers you better be able to change some things the way the ball motions down the lane 
Mike Shady, great stuff as always. It's always a pleasure catching up with you, catching up with you and, and doing a little bit of a, you know, about a halfway point uh, review of the USBC Open. So all the best of luck. You know, you guys are heading out there later this month. Definitely going to be watching watching that on the live stream and um, continued success with everything. And, and these coaches are, uh, these clinics that you guys are running, these camps are great as well. So I'm going to put a link on Above 180 because we need to get more, more folks up to, uh, to, to learn some of this stuff. And, and, um, and all the best of luck. Well, I appreciate it, Tim, and uh, we're looking forward to a couple weeks. Hopefully, uh, you know, we, uh, we get off to a good start and we, we bowl relaxed and we just bowl as we can as a team. And, uh, you know, we're not getting any younger, but we can sure, uh, I think we can compete and uh, shoot for that big 3,500. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to, uh, you know, ball choice and, and a little bit of luck and, uh, and uh, most of all, uh, having some fun because that's what it's all about. All right, Mike, take care. All right, we'll see you, Tim.